This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, if you have the option to go on Family Feud, Wheel of Fortune, or Jeopardy, which one would you choose? Oh. Um... I think Wheel of Fortune. I think I'd be too stressed out on the other two. That's my thoughts exactly. Wheel of Fortune is my choice. All right. This is why we're a team. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we're going to discuss a question. What should we be doing right now? (laughs) Then we'll amplify a new show starring Rosalind Sanchez, a.k.a. Elena Rourke. We've also got a craft and Fain writing tip courtesy of author Ann Patchett. And this week's Hollywood hack is for anyone who wants to help the environment. But first, Sarah, we wanted to send out all of our love to everybody in Puerto Rico right now. Yes, we have connected with some of the people we know there. It sounds pretty rough. Many people don't have water. Most people don't have power. Um, So we're thinking of you, you know, Fantasy Island, Puerto Rico is our fantasy island. It's such a wonderful, beautiful place. So we hope it gets back to being that very soon. Yes. And they were hit, for anyone who doesn't know, with Hurricane Fiona several days ago. And there was a lot of flooding. And um, we hope that the damage can be fixed quickly and that there is not a lot of injury to anybody. All right, Liz, let's dive into from the treadmill desks of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it is a question. What should we be doing right now? Yes. So, Sarah, this is something that we have been asking each other for the last, I guess, couple of weeks. We finished completely Fantasy Island Season 2. Um, And so we're kind of looking at each other and saying, what should we be doing right now? And there are a few options. The problem is all of them are very legitimate options. There's an argument for them all. Yeah. So we'll start with, we could be coming up with TV show ideas. Absolutely. That's never a bad thing for TV writers to do. Right. We could be working on a scripted podcast, as we have stated at least a hundred times that we want to do, and we started working on one and abandoned it like three years ago. <laughs> for good cause. I mean, there were there were good reasons for that. But yes, we could do that. We could be 
working on the novels that we independently want to write. We also have a novel that we want to write together. We could be doing either of those things. Yes. Yeah. And we should mention the novel we want to write together. Just I will give a half a log line, which is a group of women who are recent empty nesters decide to take a trip together to do ayahuasca, which is a popular thing that people do right now. Um, And we know people who have done it. And our thinking is we love this idea for a limited series, but we know how hard it is to sell something without IP. So we thought, hey, we're writers. We could write our own IP. Yes. And we also think it would make a really funny, good book. So, you know, there's a strong argument for doing that. There's also, of course, a very strong argument for doing what we are doing, which is nothing. Yes, that is the final (laughs) option. We could be doing nothing, and that's what we've chosen so far. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot to be said for doing nothing because it just allows us to recharge, creatively to recharge, to rest, to take care of ourselves, to enjoy ourselves. But I think the hard thing about this job. One of the hard things about being a TV writer, and I'm sure there are other jobs like this, it's like, when are you on vacation and when are you just unemployed and not doing anything? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, how much downtime is enough? How much is too much? How much is not enough? Well, but here's the thing. Since we are knock on, you know, lots of wood about to close a deal on something, I feel like we don't quite count as the not employed. You know what I mean? Right. We're just transitioning from one thing to the next. Yes. yes. Although we will have to sell that thing to get paid. True. But we'll be working. Yes. Very soon. Yes. And I'm, I've knock on wood again, feel confident that we'll sell it. So that to me is then an argument in favor of just doing nothing. Yes. Well, and thank you, by the way, for doing the actual knocking on wood yes. on that one. Because when I do it, my dogs bark. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and that's, as you said, by default where we've landed. Yeah. To me, I don't think there's any point in coming up with TV show ideas for a few reasons. One, as you, well, really two reasons. One, as you said, hopefully we know what is our our next TV project is. And so there's no point in spending a lot of time just thinking of other ideas because we wouldn't be able to do it right now anyway. And two, It's really hard to sell something, as we said, that doesn't have IP attached. So there's not a whole lot of reason to just think of an idea out of thin air, as there may have been more of a reason at other points to do that. Yes. Yeah. No, that feels like our time is actually better spent doing nothing. Yes. (laughs) Yes. There is an argument, though, for the book thing that we should at least ramp into writing a book. Yes. The reason for that is because if we did a certain amount of work, we could go back to it. And, uh, you know, I hate to bring up an elephant in the room, but, you know, there could be a strike. Yeah. In which case we may very much want to write a book because you can write books during a strike, um, but not television. Yes. Because a lot of TV writers will be writing books during a strike. Yes, that's true. And the same goes for scripted podcasts. I assume that would be something we could do during a strike. Yeah, for now. At some point, I think they're going to be covered by the WGA, but they're not yet. I think so, too. They should be. 
I think the reason that just feels so daunting because it's like writing and producing, whereas a book is just really writing and then trying to sell it. Yes. So it's fewer steps. Yeah. So what should we do? We haven't come to an official conclusion. This is us figuring it out. I mean, doesn't it feel... I mean, I literally think in a week we're going to be working. So it's like that could be wrong because as we know, all of these things take longer than we think. So let me say in three weeks, we're going to be working. And I feel like there's just so much to do personally. And I'm sure you feel the same way, like in my life to catch up on things. Like I was late to the podcast recording because I was measuring my yard to figure out if I could put in an ADU. Like, you know, there's just so much that has to be done. Okay, here's what I'll say. If we're not working on something by October 15th, okay, then we need to get serious. I don't think that's going to happen, but well, agreed. But you, it's easy to agree say, to something that I yes. don't think is You never happen. know, is my, but you know. You never know. But that's, a, a, that's including enough time for it to take longer than we think and yes. still happen. Yes. But not so long. I mean, but it's still, we could use that time to do other things in our lives. Yes. And I think by then, whatever it is that we should be doing will probably be the thing that's kind of brewing in the back of our minds. Yes. Like, uh-huh. I think it'll yeah. be more obvious by then. Oh, that's true. Because being having downtime, we actually can let things brew in the back of our minds. Yes. All right. Well, I like this. We've come to the decision to do nothing. <laughs> Yeah. That's a good decision. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I thought you were going to say we should we should put the pedal to the metal on the book. Is what I thought you were going to end up. I mean, I will report back on October 12th. Okay. Okay. <laughs> October 12th. I said 15th, but the 12th. Well, but then we can actually do it on October 15th. I see. Okay. Yeah. October 12th, we have a, a summit meeting if we need yes. to. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Coming up, we are going to amplify a new show starring Rosalind Sanchez, but first this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah, it is time for Amplify, in which we amplify the work of women and people of color. And today we are very excited to amplify a TV show that stars one of our favorite people, Rosalind Sanchez. She also happens to play Elena Rourke on Fantasy Island. This is a show called Till Jail Do Us Part. 
And Rosalind was shooting this, Sarah, remember, in Miami when we first Zoomed with her to talk to her about doing Fantasy Island. Oh, I remember the Zoom so clearly. And she was in her trailer on set. We literally talked to her like between setups. Yes. And yeah, I mean, she had bangs for that show. So she had them at the beginning of Fantasy Island. It was it was very present for us at the beginning, for sure. Yes. So here's a description. Angela, Viri, Esme, and Sophia hate each other. When their husbands wind up in jail for stealing millions from the biggest drug lord in Miami, the foursome ends up on the street at his mercy. As they adapt to their new lives, the wives must work together to survive. So interestingly, the show was shot in Spanish. Um, I am watching it on Peacock and it's dubbed. But like, for instance, Rosalind's voice is still Rosalind. It's just on screen, she's speaking in Spanish and then she's dubbing in English. But it's so much fun. She's so great in it. I love seeing her play someone else. I mean, obviously, I've seen her play other parts in the past, but now knowing her as Elena Rourke, it's fun to see her doing something else. But Sarah, it does make me miss seeing her play Elena. It makes me want to go back and do our season three. Oh, great. Let's do it. Yes. We just need (laughs) Fox to give us the word and we'll be doing it. Just give us a heads up, Fox, and we're in. But I think for anybody who likes Desperate Housewives, who loves good girls, you know, shows about women who are super smart, sexy, having friendships with each other, getting themselves out of scrapes, who have senses of humor, you'll really enjoy this show. Yes. So watch Till Jail Do Us Part on Peacock, starring the amazing Rosalind Sanchez, and let us know what you think. Yes. Okay, Liz, it's time for The Craft and Fane, in which we discuss the craft of writing, because although writing is an art, it is also a craft. And today we're talking about an idea that comes from Ann Patchett, the author of Bel Canto, The Dutch House, and many other wonderful books. Yes, and Sarah, lately I have been listening, as you know, to Ann Patchett's essays. She has two great books of essays, one that was out recently called These Precious Days, And then the one I most recently heard is, This is the Story of a Happy Marriage. And one of the essays in This is the Story of a Happy Marriage is a piece about writing. It's sort of everything she knows about writing and all of her writing advice, she says, in one place. It's called The Getaway Car, A Practical Memoir About Writing and Life. And it's, I really recommend it for anybody um, who's a writer out there. And before I get to the tip, we took, because we took a tip from her from this essay, I just wanted to read a piece of it that sets up the tip. So she says, this book I have not yet written one word of is a thing of undescribable beauty, unpredictable in its patterns, piercing in its color, so wild and loyal in its nature that my love for this book and my faith in it as I track its lazy flight is the single perfect joy in my life. When I can't think of another stall, when putting it off has actually become more painful than doing it, I reach up and pluck the butterfly from the air. I take it from the region of my head and I press it down against my desk, and there, with my own hand, I kill it. 
It's not that I want to kill it, but it's the only way I can get something that is so three-dimensional onto the flat page. Just to make sure the job is done, I stick it into place with a pin. Imagine running over a butterfly with an SUV. Everything that was beautiful about this living thing, all the color, the light, and movement is gone. What I'm left with is the dry husk of my friend, the broken body chipped, dismantled, and poorly reassembled dead. That's my book. And I mean, I just so related to that. And the idea is when you're thinking about a project, it's so fantastic. It's all possibility. Oh, so many ideas. And then as soon as you actually start doing the project, in our case, putting it onto paper, it all falls apart and it's hard and it's awful and you hate it. And you think it's terrible. And for that reason, and here we're getting to the tip, she says that she has made a rule for herself that she can't start a new book until she's finished writing the one she's working on. Because otherwise, you could just sort of have a a trail of abandoned books right to your grave. Yes, you would have book after book beginning, but no full books. Yeah, and really, I think this applies to so many creative projects. Right. Yes. Things that sound wonderful and incredibly appealing and like exciting. Once you actually get into the hard work of it, suddenly just become like a, a burden, a drudge. Yes. A, a dirge. A fact. dirge, a dredgy dirge. <laughs> but the thing is, you have to just muscle through. And maybe that book will never be as good as it, as the one in your head. Or in our case, maybe that pilot script will never be as good as the pilot script in our head. But at least it will be something. And it may, in fact, be good enough to be a show. And in fact, you know, it's interesting, Sarah Gretchen and I did The Dutch House for one of our happier book club books, uh, the other podcast I co-host with my sister Gretchen Rubin. And Ann Patchett, when we were interviewing her, said with The Dutch House, she actually finished the novel, reread it, and then deleted the whole book. And she is a writer who doesn't take notes. She just writes. She doesn't do outlines and all of that. And so it was just gone. So she, in fact, went through the whole thing to prove that she actually does this and then deleted it. She ended up writing sort of the same book, but I think in the previous version, she had really focused on the mother in the book who had gone off to India and left her kids. And she had followed the mother to India. And she decided that's not the story to tell. The story to tell is about the kids who were left at home. Mm. So that that's what the book ended up becoming. But because she had told that story before I read this essay, I was like, this woman really means what she says. Like, <laughs> she's hardcore. Yes. <laughs> I love Ann Patchett. You know, I think I've said before in the podcast that I read every single book of hers when Violet was a baby. It was like what I would read in the middle of the night while breastfeeding on my phone. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was just like the thing that got me through. But she, I mean, I hadn't read this essay until you recommended it. And I now feel like it is one of the three canonical books on writing. Mm -hmm. That's shorter than Stephen King's book on writing. And it's shorter than Anne Lamott's. 
that's bird by bird, but I think it's just as valuable. And she's such a beautiful writer. She's so just visual and evocative and like you really get drawn into everything she writes. So now I'm just like, for any writers out there, these are the three books that you need on your library shelf to review again and again and again. I thought this essay was just like totally amazing. Yes. And I know, Sarah, that I have been guilty many times of doing this exact thing. I mean, I am the one who like Friday will say, okay, this is what we're working on Monday. We're going to nose to the grindstone. We're going to (laughs) work on this. And then Monday morning, I'll say to you, you know what I was thinking over the weekend? It's really a better idea if we do this totally different project (laughs) that we haven't started thinking about. Why don't we go to lunch and ballpark that one? Yes. Or the other thing we do is go, or we have a great idea that totally changes that other thing that we thought about five years ago. Yes. And if we do, you know. Yes, that too. <laughs> so I was really struck like with that guilty feeling. Like when I read that, I'm like, oh, I do this. I totally do this guilty. So that's why like when we decide we're going to do something now, I'm going to feel pressure to actually follow it through to the end, even if we then decide we don't like it. Right. It's like not just thinking that the next thing is going to be the right thing. All right. October 15th, the rubber hits the road. That's right. (laughs) That's why doing nothing is so great. I know. That I won't change my mind on. (laughs) All right. Coming up, this week's Hollywood hack is good for the environment. But first, this break. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack, and this is something you recently discovered. Yes. So I've been reading the book, The Carbon Almanac, which is all about climate change. And one of the very, very simple things that they mention that we can all do to help mitigate climate change is use this search engine called Ecosia, E-C-O-S-I-A, which you can just add to Safari. It's free. And what they do is they plant trees. So for every certain number of searches, they plant trees. And they've planted, I'm watching the counter on their website go up as we speak, but 158,431,986,87,88 trees, which is just so cool. And all you have to do is do what you're already doing, which is search for stuff online. So is it instead of Safari, or are you saying it's in addition to, or Chrome? You can add it to Safari. Okay. And it was very simple. I did it on my phone. And now when I search on my phone, I do it through Ecosia. That is amazing. Yeah. I'm planting trees. Yeah. Yippee. Yeah. Can't argue with that. It's a small thing, but... We're all going to have to do a lot of small things, so might might as well do this one. To be clear, is it free? Yeah, free. Free. Okay, so it's not like you have to pay and then they plant trees. Nope. You just search, which you're already doing. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Okay, the Ecosia search engine. Everybody check it out. And Sarah, for our listeners who might have heard one of our listener questions episodes, we had a question about why some podcasts have ad break music or throw to an ad, but then they just come right back and there's no ad. And we sort of had our theories, but one of a friend of the pod, Laura Birick, 
sent in a voicemail that very clearly explains it, which we are going to play after the credits of this episode. So if you're interested in the answer to that question, our friend and fellow podcast host has the answer. So listen to the credits and then listen to her very succinct, clear answer. Yes. And her podcast, for those who are interested, is called Big Fat Positive. It's a smart and funny podcast about two best friends who found out they were pregnant at the same time. And it follows their journey through pregnancy and now motherhood. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And please follow us if you haven't already. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing from Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Fain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Hi, Liz and Sarah. This is Laura Burek. Uh, you had a question from a listener about why podcasts often will like go to ad break and then come right back. And Liz had some theories, but she didn't know for sure. And I'm here to give you an answer. I am the host of a podcast called Big Fat Positive. It's a pregnancy and parenting podcast. And we use something called dynamic ad insertion, which is becoming the standard for podcast ads. And what it is is we record our segments and add our little intro and outro music. And then there's software from our hosting company that will automatically insert ads into those spaces. And there are a couple cases where those spaces won't have ads in them. One scenario is that we will run out of ads for the month, so we will sell blocks of ads, like a certain number of ads. And once we've served that many ads to our listeners, we don't serve anymore because otherwise we'd be giving free advertising to our advertising partners. So that's a reason there won't be an ad in that spot. Another is that we haven't sold an ad for that spot. I think that's something that Liz mentioned. And another is that sometimes they're geo-targeted, so ads are only running for the U.S. or the U.K., but not for other parts of the world. But we're not recording two different different versions of the podcast, obviously, without those breaks. So I hope that helps answer the question. And as you both know, I love the podcast. Keep up the great work. From the Onward Project.